Not if we're born in sin. Not if we're sinful in our natures. But Christ wasn't born that way. We just confess that He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He's the Son of the living God. He, did not, he was not conceived with the sins of Adam, as you and I are. He was conceived by the Spirit of God. He was born a good man. And bad things happened to him. But you know what? He volunteered for that. He became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Now David's sins lead to death in his own household. But even before that, it it leads to death in the household of Uriah. Uriah dies because of David's sin. So sin has the consequence of death which is inescapable. Ultimately, death comes upon all men, for all have sinned, the Scriptures say. Yet David did something that King Saul could never do. As we went through the life of Saul, we saw how his sins spiral and cascaded downward and downward and downward until he died in battle. Uh, 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 His life was taken along with Jonathan, his son, who was a faithful son, faithful to God, faithful to his father, faithful to David. His other brother died as well. Uh, Only uh, Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, would live, but he would die as well as he... uh, Uh, warred against David, Joab would take his life. Only Mephibosheth was left from Saul's house and he would sit at David's table. Yet David did something in our passage today that Saul could never do. David came to grips with his sin. He came to grips with owning his own sin. God was gracious. He sent Nathan to David and told him, you are the man. You're the one who I've described in this parable, the parable of the rich man and the poor man, the one who had many sheep and many flocks, the one man who had but one. A a visitor comes to the house to, to dine with the rich man, and does he kill one of his own sheep for the meal, for the feast? No, he goes to the poor man and takes his ewe lamb that was precious in his sight and kills that for the feast. David, you're the man. You're the rich man who God has poured out all these blessings upon, who's given you a kingdom that shall never end. Just go back and look at chapter 7 of 2 Samuel. Your kingdom shall never end. It will always be with us. And yet, David takes Uriah's wife as his own and puts Uriah to death to cover up his own sin. But David does something Saul never did. He turns to Nathan and says, I have sinned against the Lord. I have sinned against the Lord. He confesses his sin. He owns it. Brother, that's the difference between Saul and David. That one sentence is the difference between these two kings of Israel. Saul never owned his sin. Never owned it. David here owns his sin. And be assured, when we confess our sins, God hears us. God is not slack concerning His promises. If you confess and repent of your sins, the Bible says He will lift you up. God will lift you up. Look at the passage with me. 
chapter 12, verse 7. Then Nathan said, David, you are the man. And then in verse 13, so David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord has put away your sin. You shall not die. The consequences of sin is death, but David, you're not going to die. How is that possible? How is it that, that a murderer, an adulterer, a, a, one who covets to the point of taking another's possession, how is it that he cannot die if the wages of sin is death? Brother, the answer is somebody substitutes for David. There must be a substitute. And who is that substitute? David said in the song that he prayed to his Lord who was from his own lineage. The G- Jesus who would die for our sins. In this acknowledgement by David that he had sinned against the Lord, sin and death were thwarted from David's life. Now David would die a temporal death as we do. But one day when we die and go to heaven, those who put their trust in Christ, you're going to meet David. And you'll be able to sit down with David and talk with him and try to understand better his thoughts in Psalm 51, which I'll read during communion today. To understand better how he coped with the consequences of his sin. But David would see eternal life by God's promise. There were lingering consequences of David's sin, primarily the death of the child that Bathsheba was carrying. There were other consequences for David's clan as well, which would lead to death. The sword would not pass from his family. But because of David's humility, when Nathan confronts him, his confession and his subsequent repentance, the lineage of David would bear the Savior of the world. Luke recorded a sermon of the Apostle Paul at Antioch in Acts chapter 13. I alluded to it earlier. And we read there in part these words. After that, Paul is giving some history to the synagogue at Antioch. The people in the synagogue. They've asked him to speak. And so he's up there, he's speaking. He's giving us some uh, of the history of Israel. After that, he gave them judges for about 450 years until Samuel the prophet. He's speaking about the time following uh, the, the Egyptian captivity. And after that, they asked for a king. So God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin for 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. From this man's seed, according to the promise, God raised up for Israel a savior. Jesus. Now, how is it that David's a man after God's own heart? How can he be called such a thing when he's done such heinous acts? Think about your own selves. How could you be called a person after God's own heart after the sins you've committed? And my guess is none of you, none of you has killed a man as David had. I could be wrong, but I doubt that that's the case. It's because David owned his sin, and and confessed that to the Lord. That's a man after God's own heart. God calls us to confession. 
And he yielded. David yielded. And this brings us to the death of the second Adam. That leads to eternal life. Brethren, sin necessitates death. But not just the death as a consequence of God's judgment and wrath, but also as a means for salvation. Not only does sin bring the judgment of a just God against sinful men, death would also bring about salvation for sinful man. God's profound sovereign plan for redemption of men can be harvested from the lineage of a covetous adulterer and murderer. But that can only happen by another man's death. And this was the death of Christ, the second Adam. Paul writes in Romans chapter 6, For if we've been united together in the likeness of his death, meaning Christ's death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Brethren, do you want to live eternally? Do you want to live forever? Then you have to die to sin. And the only way you can do that is to cast your sin upon the one who rose again from the dead to give you eternal life. You see, not only does your death bring about your temporal, or your sin bring about your temporal death, but death to sin in this life brings about eternal life in the next. And that's what God calls us to. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey its lusts, Paul writes. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. You are not under the law, but under grace. God provides an escape. His name is Jesus Christ. You cast your cares on Him, and He will lift you up. Otherwise, you yourself will suffer the punishment for your sins. And you shall do so eternally. But you say, Pastor Hickey, I can't change my nature. You're right, you can't. You might, not even, you might as well not even try. You can't change your own desires. Only one person can do that. And that's Christ. Who when we abide in Him, changes our natures. In the Old Covenant, it's talk, Ezekiel talks about giving, being given a new a heart of flesh instead of a heart of stone. Can you change your heart of stone into a heart of flesh? No. But God can, and He promises to do so when you own your sin and confess and repent from it. So what is the application of the sermon today? I want to draw your attention back 
to the passage briefly as I bring to bear what I think we need to see for ourselves. Verse 7 of chapter 12. Then Nathan said to you, I'm paraphrasing. Then Nathan said to you, you are the man. You are the woman. You're the one who took that little sheep, stole it, and consumed it yourself for your own passions. You're the man. You're the woman. You say, Pastor, that's not fair. Yeah, it is. It's absolutely fair because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Well, wait a minute. I've not committed, I haven't coveted another man's wife or another man's property. Oh, really? Can you say that in all honesty? I've not committed adultery. Jesus says if you lust after men, if you lust after a woman, you've done it already. You've done it. Well, I've never murdered anybody. If, if anything, I've never murdered anybody. Don't be so quick to say that. The Bible says if you hate another man, you've murdered him in your heart. Do you see? We're not so far from David. We're right next to him. And when Nathan says to David, you're the man, that finger should be pointing at you as well. And so death is all around us. It's in our hearts. It's in our minds. When we embrace the temptations that come to us and sin against our Lord. So death is inescapable. It resides in our hearts as the consequence of sin. We see it in others as their sins bring about their demise as well. Yet the death of death, the death of death, we see as well. Is it possible that death could die? The very notion of death dying? Yes. Not only is it possible, it's happened. And is happening. When God redeems a man or a woman by the death of his dear son Jesus, the wages of sin are turned away from the souls of men. Everlasting life springs from the death of the resurrected Savior Jesus. In his resurrection, we are made eternally alive and the death of death occurs. Do you trust in Christ for salvation? Do you cast your sin on Him? Do you own it and say, I've sinned against You, Lord. Please, give me forgiveness. None other can do it. God calls us as He called King David to repent. You are the man. Own it. So we must own that indictment and confess our guiltiness. But we must act as David acted as well. When he cried out to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Jesus, the sacrificial lamb, the one who died on our behalf that we might have redemption, when we cast our cares on Him, His blood cries out, this is mine. Give it life. Give Him life. Give her life. Brethren, when we go to heaven... We die in this mortal body. It's put, to, put away. It goes to the worms. 
That's the Scripture telling us. When that happens, we're going to be immediately in the presence of our Lord. When you look at the Scriptures and see who, who comes immediately into the presence of the Lord like that, they're not talking people. People are face down on the ground in humility before God. Knowing, knowing that they're unworthy. Jeremiah, Isaiah, the, the, the Old Testament as well as the New Testament, book of Revelation when John goes to heaven. They, they fall prostrate before God because they, are, they understand they are but creatures and this is the holy living God. They are humiliated. Do you know what happens next? Jesus comes over and lifts us up. This is my child. I died for this one. And the Father will say, enter into your rest. That's what it means. That's what salvation means. That God, the Son, lifts us up out of our humiliation and gives us eternal life. When you get to heaven... Watch and see if that's not the case. If Christ is not the one who makes intercession for you immediately before the Father, who puts Himself between you and the Father's wrath, says, I died for this one. And the Father's wrath is turned aside immediately. And you are brought into your rest. That's what it means. If you've never put your faith in Christ, you you must do that if you ever want to experience what I've just described. Only in Christ will you be raised up to eternal life. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day you bow your knee to the King. The One who purchased your redemption through death. Death is inevitable in God's creation. Embrace the death that brings life. Let us pray together.